Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, May 4th, 2017. May the 4th be with you. So we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I'm your host, Sean O'Reilly, and to my left is Motley Fool Premium Analyst and occasional visitor to Canada, Mr. Taylor Muckerman. What's up happening, man? I think you said May the 4th be with you a little too quickly. You just brushed right over that. Mm. <laughs> okay. Easy, Chewbacca. That's my... <laughs> Oh, no, that's Yoda. <laughs> Dude. It's okay. So you're a Star Trek guy? <laughs> no. I'm... A Star Wars. I can't even... <laughs> Man. Austin, can I leave? <laughs> I think we might need to just... No, know, abort. I can't leave? Abort. Fine. It's fine. Um, so today, we're talking about the uh, truly global industry of manufacturing U.S. oil and gas pipelines. We promise we will make it funny. Uh, hints by Suncor Energy regarding the future of the Canadian oil sands. Um, well, that's that's in response to your question from a few weeks ago. Thank you. Yeah, you found that for me. I was like, oh. yeah. Well, uh, there's talk about all the U.S. producers selling their Canadian oil sands assets, and you were like, I wonder if Suncor is interested in any of these. And turns out, my they might my, in, be. my intuitions were correct. Turns out they might be. Um, we <laughs> this is something we rarely talk about, but this is actually going to be fun. It's just, which is the fertilizer industry. Yeah. Um, and uh, be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we'll be revealing today's industry-focused puzzle of the week, puzzle week clue. Uh, but first, Taylor, real quick, it's just what we do. Um, we well, oil prices are falling today yep. again. Go we figure. We got to talk about it. So these are some crazy numbers. Like I, you know, I read these. I'm like, damn it, Taylor. Right. Um, <laughs> oil continues to fall as U.S. production surges. Oil's falling today as, as it was reported uh, that U.S. crude output rose to 9.29 million barrels per day on average last month, yep. the highest level since August 2015, according to the Energy Information Administration, mm-hmm. which is the federal government's agency. This is not the, the French EIA or whatever. Um, oil, OPEC is likely to extend the 1.2 million barrel a day cut agreed to in November for six months, according to Nigerian oil minister Emmanuel uh, Kachawu. Kachikiku, I'm totally destroying that. I, I can't apologize. tell you if you're right or wrong. Um, yeah, Nigerian oil minister. Mm-hmm. Um, so just for some context, we topped out at 9.6 million barrels per day, give or take, back in 2014, I believe, before. So it sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So we're only 300,000 barrels a day off of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of sprung back pretty quickly there. Every major basin in the in the US is producing on an up on an upslope right now. The Permian I, the Permian never stopped growing even during the the downturn. So offshore is really the only thing that's down then. Is that I don't have the exact numbers, but yeah, I would have to imagine. You yeah, don't, you, don't, you don't hear about much production offshore these days. Um I mean that's you know, we bottomed out on the what was it, eight point four million barrels? Uh yeah, it was in the mid eights. And um, but you see the rig count is back to where it was in early twenty fifteen and it's right. just like So it's not back to the twenty fourteen right. highs as the production count, isn't, but no, no, yeah, no, but still. But to show that the rig count is not even close to where it was at the peak and we're still only three hundred thousand barrels off per day of production. We're good at being wildcatters. Yeah, <laughs> we are very good at being wildcatters. Um, I can't remember which CEO. They might have been Chevron CEO. Is still, he still won't say that you know shale because he's he's right. Shale won't be the savior forever, but um, it's certainly the savior in terms of oil production right now. Do you ever see those reports that like the shale? It, it's fun and everything, but. There's only so much we can do with current technology, and we might get a little bit better. But really, it's only going to last another five years. 
Um, I don't, I didn't, I don't know. Like, if I've, I've seen like a, an end date. Oh, we'll like have to do that on another yeah, show. Yeah. It's totally cool. But I've seen these things. Like, it's this is awesome and it's great and fine. Yeah. But it's it's not billions upon billions of barrels. Well, I mean, that's what we thought decades ago too. And then we, and then we figured, then we figured it out. And we still are leaving a bunch of oil on the ground in these unconventional wells. Yeah. Sometimes upwards of 60%, 70% is still left in the ground. So if we can figure out how to tap into it. Carbon which, dioxide. Which there's obviously. incentive to figure out how to do it. Um, then, yeah, there's there's a lot of headway there. Um, and once we do figure that out, we're going to need pipelines, which brings us to our we next segment. We already need pipelines, according to yes, uh, well, last week with the Permian just like overflowing in the pipelines. Um, so, yeah. So on that note... Um, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, mm-hmm. um, he's making going, America great again. He he is, and he's trying to get um, basically our our midstream oil pipeline operators to use American steel for all the pipelines. Yep. Um, the industry, which includes companies such as Energy Transfer Partners and Kinder Morgan, have a few things to say about that, and have sent letters to the executive branch noting how it's not so simple. Um, I'm sure you have a few thoughts here, but I just wanted to give a little bit more context. Mm-hmm. Um, on average, according to uh, uh, the, the the letters, U.S. pipelines are made with about 30% domestic steel, and the rest comes from abroad. And this isn't necessarily uh, U.S. steel manufacturers, uh, I'm sorry, U.S. pipeline companies' fault. Um, no U.S. companies, for example, make valves that meet the requirements set by the API, which is the American Petroleum Institute. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... They have to go abroad to another. Like it's not an option. Um, is what's a pipeline company to do? Like, well, I mean, exactly what they are doing: trying to get them to either sending an angry letter, like trying what? to either get them to delay the rules or or outright do away with them. Um, because we're already, as you said, in some of these basins short on pipelines, and if these requirements are are instated by the U.S. Commerce Department, or uh, and you know they're not going to be able to build them either efficiently or cost effectively so the the start dates for these pipelines are going to just be pushed out or just canceled altogether and you see this for oil and natural gas pipelines it's not just oil pipelines it's any pipeline they're trying to mandate all American source products. So, um, being the good old American patriotic boy that I am, um, I do wonder why U.S. steel companies and component manufacturers don't make these things. Is it that I there's mean, a patent over in France that, you know what I mean? Like, couldn't they conceivably do it? They probably could. I don't know. But then again, it's it's all da- boils down to profitability. Can they do it and make a profit off of it? That might be why right. they're not doing it in the first place. Um, Capitalism at its finest, right here. It, they're not going to make something. If they oh, can. this is like the the, the econ class. Yeah, the comparative advantages. Company A is good at making wheat, yeah. and Company B is really good at making uh, I don't know pipeline valves. But basically, <laughs> we're going to yeah. trade our wheat and our valves. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so uh, it's a shocker when you can you know send valves over on a massive cargo ship from, right. from a different country and uh, produce them cheaper. Therefore, you can sell them cheaper. Therefore, pipeline companies can buy them more cheaply and make more money and make or just, you know, at least break even. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going into all this econ, that I econ. don't think that I don't think was originally considered. I mean, it was it it sounds nice. Without, on, on its yeah. Face. Without getting political. This is a, this is a trend where there's overarching promises where the nitty gritty isn't exactly realized 
or talked about until it's time to enforce it. And then companies are like, you guys are way off base here. This right. is not possible. Right. And if you enforce it, then it's going to hamper U.S. energy production and distribution. Right, which is, as we saw last week with the Permian, we yeah, just need to get this thing going yeah. like now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, popping back up north here to Canadian oil sands, Suncor Energy, which is known for being a Canadian oil sands producer, and um, Warren Buffett actually used to own shares in the company. Yeah, they're not just anymore. a producer. They're, they're, they, they're the Exxon of Canada. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, yeah. Um, is uh, They're basically looking, they're looking at deals, um, basically looking to pick up a few uh, assets, um, in the Canadian oil sands that are basically being sold by other uh, international energy companies that are uh, not domestic in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, they noted that deals, it, it seems like there won't be numerous because Suncor is known for having high expected internal return hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um, ta- Which, like, you know, as a shareholder, you could appreciate. Well, for sure. So yeah. why aren't more oil companies like that? that that's a good question. I, I think that's a philosophical question. Um, I'm gonna go get my pipe. <laughs> uh, no, there's a shortage of those. Hmm, it better be an American-made pipe. pipe. It better be an American-made yeah. <laughs> corn cob Wrong pipe. pipe. Dang it! It better be an American-made corn cob pipe. Um, yeah. So you figure you've seen Royal Dutch Shell, ConocoPhillips, and Marathon Oil all sell, if not all, a majority of their Canadian oil sands exposure this year already. Um, Suncor hasn't been involved in that. They did buy some oil sands uh, exposure, more oil sands exposure last year. But they're they're hearing rumblings of other companies wanting to sell out of the oil sands, and um, you know if the price is right, like you said, they're not gonna they're not gonna change their ways in order to purchase, which may be why they didn't get in on the previous three deals that have been announced this year. But um, you know if oil prices continue to slide, a better opportunity could present itself. Well, they they would be the the natural buyer because these assets, if if they're anywhere close to current assets, mm-hmm. they've already got the trucks and the pipes. Yeah, and, the infrastructure you know, is in like, place and the the ability and the the knowledge and the manpower and all that. Yeah, um, I can't believe how um, basically profitable or what a good job Suncor has been doing over the last few years. They um, they were. In fiscal year 2016, just barely yep. lost some money on a free cash flow basis, and over the last trailing 12 months, thanks to this first quarter, um, generated uh, free cash flow of 600 million dollars in Canadian dollars. But it's, it's actually basically going to yeah. one right now. But anyway, um, that's pretty cool to be doing that in the oil sands. Yeah. like this is not this is like the tar that you're putting in trucks. This right. is not easy, you know. Yeah, no, this just goes to show why they've been reportedly the best oil sands producer uh for at least the last five to ten years and when you've seen the deals that have been made the company made a good point that now that synovus and canadian natural resources have gone out there and purchased assets they might not have the balance sheet to purchase more so if other companies come out and want to try and sell literally to clap out fewer yeah there's gonna be fewer buyers therefore reducing the sale price most likely allowing suncor with the balance sheet to come in and potentially swoop these things up. For sure. Um, so, uh, on to fertilizer. Um, everybody's favorite fertilizer company, Scott's miracle Grow. Um, it, 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 it's not direct, but uh, they're getting it on the marijuana business, Taylor? Uh, uh, yeah, so appara- apparently we're not allowed to talk about the marijuana business because that's, that's for, no, no, no. That's for I've got, healthcare. I, we've got a solution here. So but we're talking ready? about fertilizer, yeah. not, not cannabis and medical cannabis. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, for the last couple of years, there's been you know like rumblings of this company 
wanting to a- access the the marijuana market. And as states continue to it's legal here legal, in DC to legalize right? it, recreation. Yeah, you can you can grow plants at your house, and if you live in Washington DC um, and several other states, and Scott's Miracle Grow is a company that the common man and woman can access at the hardware store, and they've been ramping up spending on the hydroponics side of their business. And this is a they're, big they're number. Seeing, you they're see seeing this? great results. Yeah. The um, so they've got the subsidiary called it's Hawthorne Corporation. Yep. Um, and uh, one of the most popular ways to grow cannabis mm-hmm. is with hydroponics, which is the method of growing plants without soil using it's like mineral nutrient solutions and water solvent. I actually pictured like the little packet that they give you when you buy flowers for your, your wife like yeah so i mean like, there's just like a tray where the roots descend into the water and the plant remains above yeah. the board yeah so <laughs> the subsidiary scott's miracle girls invested 500 million dollars yeah to build this out like that's not it's chump not change. it's not small especially when you consider that uh let's see uh in the second quarter they had 1.2 billion in sales so wow, that's that's a hefty investment, but they do see that this Hawthorne Gardening Company could be a billion dollar revenue generator for them in the not so distant future if if uh, the status quo remains or continues to spread throughout the country. So, so this, uh, could, this is a this is potentially a way for investors to invest in the marijuana market without investing in a marijuana company. So if if regulations get pulled back, federal government steps in. You still have Scott's Miracle Grow for sure. You still it, have the base. I gotta think though that it's just a different option. Even here. even beyond marijuana, like hydroponics, it seems like if they get better and better at offering easier to use products or whatever, like that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, you I mean it could expand the urban gardening movement. Um, it could sh- shrink the size of farms. So you see a lot of these private. Yeah, you see a lot of these private companies building. Um, greenhouses out of like cargo uh shipping containers with like you said building up yeah. so they're stacking plants on top of each other and um so that could be something that you see here and removes the need for for soil and uh yeah this investment could could do well outside of just the the marijuana industry here in the united states very cool um so before we head out it is time for the moment that I know you've all been waiting for, it's the Energy and Industrials Clue for IF Puzzle Week. Um, have you been uh, doing all these, Taylor? You're going to do them all on Friday. Uh, I haven't sent in my results, but I, I, I feel like I've got them all. You do? Yeah. All right, good. I feel like I've you been got doing them, them on the train. Um, well, Dylan sent me those. Dylan sent me the the Word doc the other day. I just like had to do them, and I, I I feel like I nailed them. Attaboy. boy. Yeah. All right, good for you. Um, so, uh, we here at The Fool love games. Uh, puzzles and challenges are actually a big part of how we build teams and spark internal collaboration. Um, we love them so much that we actually have had for years a chief collaboration officer and puzzle master who is Todd Etter. Um, and, and that's not something to laugh at. His no. games are no joke. He's His scavenger hunts and internal games are... We, we He's done our own Escape the Room twice now, and... Some it's, people are still in that room. It's awesome. Some we people have, are still in the room. Uh, yeah, like, that was months seen? ago. Oh god. I yeah, they're still there. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> that was in November. Yeah, they're feeding them. Oh juice wow. Juice straw under the and door. And Todd won't let them. I'm no, kidding. he won't. <laughs> let them. Um, so, in order to get everybody in on the fun this week, we are doing a little something to get our all of our listeners in, and uh, basically give them a taste of taste of Todd's challenges. Yeah. Uh, we will. There's no. There's no escape the room. 
challenge yet. Anyway. Um, so every day this week, each episode of IF is featuring a clue. The answer to that clue is a company name, and the company names from Monday through Friday will all fit into a final puzzle that will be revealed on the Friday Tech Show with Dylan Lewis. Um, so that's right, you guessed it. If you want to solve the uh, whole thing, you need to listen to every episode this week, or I guess you could skip to the end of every episode. Anyway. No, because uh, I don't know if we're going to repeat them all. That's good. You got to listen to each individual show. Yeah. Or at least or fast you know, forward. Or you can know, like fast forward. That's what yeah. I said. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you meant wait, wait till the end on Friday. No, uh, no, no. Okay. Um, so, what. Uh, oh, and uh, what do you get for jumping through all the hoops? Of mental course. hoops, yes. Uh, mental, the mental hoops. Mental hurdles. Yeah. The, this will take a while. But um, the first 10 listeners to shoot us an email after Friday's show with the five company names and the final answer will get full swag. Um, so get your pencils out, get so, ready. Well, let's just repeat that. The f- people that send us an email with all the answers on Friday. So if you've already sent individual emails, I'm sure we'll be able to Compile work through them. that. But from here on out, please hold your answers. Yeah. Hold the phone until Friday, which is tomorrow. So it's not too much longer, but please. Um, all right. So here is the energy show clue. If you replace the final letter in the name of this seven-letter energy company with a common three-letter verb, you get a vehicle that often visits the energy company. What is the company? Once again, that is, if you replace the final letter in the name of this seven-letter energy company with a common three-letter verb, you get a vehicle that often visits the energy company. What is the company? Is that your final answer? All right. You're good at that. Yeah. I watched you, Jeopardy you, when I was like six. You have a future. <laughs> um, did you see uh, uh, Louis C.K. when he was on Jeopardy? No, I did the not. The dude is smart. Oh, yeah. He's very smart, like, which is why he's the best comedian around right now. I was like, comedians like aren't dumb. It. Yeah. He like won 10 grand for Jeopardy. Anyway. Some of them might act dumb, but you're, you can't be stupid nope. making the making nope. the links that they make and the observations. Um, so, before we head out, starting Friday, if you solve every clue, write into industryfocus.fool.com, just so everybody has the email once again, uh, with the email subject line puzzle and the answers. Also, make sure to let us know your t-shirt size in your email. If you're stumped and still want the reveal, we'll be posting the answers on May 12th on the Motley Fool Podcast Facebook group, as well as the Industry Focus Twitter account. To enter this contest, there is no purchase necessary, and the contest is open to all legal residents of the United States and Canada, excepting residents of the province of Quebec over the age of 18. Employees, affiliates, and contractors and their families of the Motley Fool LLC or any of their affiliates are not eligible. Void where prohibited by law. For a complete list of contest rules, please visit puzzle.fool.com. Um, what do we got against kids in under 18 in Quebec? I have a very strong feeling that it's the government of Quebec has something against the hell, man? Uh, radio podcasting contests. Well, we're not saying it in French. That might be one of the reasons why. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, I took high school French. Yeah, I don't could, even try. We don't have time I could try that. to translate this if you want. Google Translate. I could try. We don't have time. All right, fine. <laughs> um, and you got all the answers, man? Uh, I believe so. I haven't, I haven't asked for... If I've gotten them all, but uh, my final answer is a company name, so I think I'm on the right Epic. track. All right, all right. Well, that is it for us, folks. Be sure and tune in tomorrow for the Tech Show with Dylan Lewis, and of course, the big reveal. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus@fool.com. Once again, that's industryfocus@fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Taylor Markerman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!